Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Hello, I'm Ed. This is the Faith in Kids Summer Series. Welcome to Episode 3. Very exciting. Episode three. We've done two already. This will be the third. That's how numbers work, isn't it? <laughs> Where are we travelling with Jesus to this time, Jam? I think we're travelling to a posh house. Can I start by asking you a whip around question? Yes, you may. Okay, so I'm going to ask you first, Jam, and then wherever you are sitting and listening, I want you to answer this question. And too. we whip around the room. That's Exa- what it is. That's how it Don't, works. Do, do not get a whip out. I cannot <laughs> stress that enough. I, I, you're right, though, yeah, Jam. I yeah. hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you whip around the room with a very quick, instinctive answer. The whip around question is What are you good at? Is there even something where you're the best at it? And before you panic, we're all good at something. You don't have to say a school subject or yeah. a sport. It might be just something like loving people, oh, okay. looking after children. My mine isn't as good as that. Oh, okay. Um, can I tell you what I'm best at? Yes. And I'm pretty sure I can beat virtually anybody on this. Right. Um, it's not all the jobs that I do. It's not anything particularly uh, useful. I can remember the theme tune of every TV show I've ever watched for most of my life. <laughs> really? And I can, I can sing it back to you and I'll probably even get it in the right key as well. Wherever you are listening to this, whip that question around. Yeah. What are you each good at? And is there even something you're the best at? Yeah. Jam, you set the bar quite high. Uh, low, I would say. Okay. But sure. Go. Go. Okay, we're back. It's now the fun fact fight. Fight off. It is. Yeah. Let's go. So we are looking at Jesus visiting a big house. We're travelling with Jesus to a big house. I would like to say that I have proudly visited the UK's smallest house. Ah. It is in the north of Wales... 
And on the ground floor, there is only a bedroom and a shower. Right. And on the second floor, there is the living room and the kitchen. So it's even back to front. Oh, my goodness. Downstairs is upstairs. I, when I stood next to it, I could look into their gutter on their roof. That's how low it was. So it's, it's small in every way. Okay. So that's very much the opposite of what we're looking it at. It is the opposite. Yeah, that's right? okay. That's my fun fact, Jack. Yes. I would like to ask you, what is significant about the Victorian house of Cragside in Northumbria? It was famous for something that happened there in the 1870s. It was an innovation. It was a wonderful thing that it got. The world's first toilet. Oh, that's good, but no. Um, it got. It's the first house with in the UK with electricity that came from a dam. Oh. And as an engineer, I know how excited well, you'll be by this. Because I was just thinking, I wonder why it would be in Northumbria if it was the first one in the country, yeah. because maybe it'd be in London or a Edinburgh. A hydraulic engine was installed, inspired by the water mill on the D, and then it created. A, they put in a dynamo, and it was the world's first hydroelectric power station. The first building with electricity. Yeah. Is the building still there, Yeah, Jim? I think so. And the electricity was generated, was used to power an arc lamp, um, and that was replaced by Joseph Swan's incandescent lamps in 1880. Very okay. exciting. That's a, but imagine, imagine going to that house and thinking how posh it was because you would just you you think that they'd had magic installed or something. Wouldn't you? Sw- you'd switch on the light and you would have never have seen it anywhere else. And you'd never have switched on a light before. No, it's quite you light right. you light a light. Yes, push of a button. Posh house. Right. There we go. Second fact from me. Yeah, uh, I do love the underwater. Mm-hmm. And there is a place in the world where you can live underwater. It's just off Florida. It's part of the Florida International University. It's 20 metres below the waves. Uh, it's weighted down with a slab of metal that weighs 100 tonnes. It has to have a cable to deliver all the air power, Wi-Fi and mobile signal. Really? You yes. surprise me. <laughs> If you go to the you loo, can't get Wi-Fi twenty no, meters down. You, Weird. You, you can't. No. If you go to the loo or have a shower, you have to send all the waste back up to the surface, right. and it's about the size of a single decker bus. Okay, and six people can live in it. Okay, so you so you're not actually so you're underwater, but you're not in water when you're in the house. No, yes. but clearly you have to get wet to get out. Okay, wow. Okay, and they they seem to love it. I mean, you it's the opposite to an aquarium. You are the the fish visit you and pay tickets to see the humans in the tank. Yeah, wow, that's quite a thought, isn't it? Okay, I'm going to ask you, what is Britain's largest stately home with 365 bedrooms and five miles of corridors? Okay, it must be a royal palace. You would think so, wouldn't you? I thought I was going to get it right and you were going to be disappointed. Is it not? A royal palace. It is not a royal palace. Blow me away. Absolutely. Do you know what? You've probably never even heard of it. Okay. And that's why this is so amazing. And I noticed there's a room, a bedroom for every day of the year. Yeah, and I don't know if that was intentional. You'd assume so. Yes. But um, this place is the virtually unknown Wentworth Woodhouse near Rotherham in South Yorkshire. And it was bought by a preservation group um, for £7 million because it was basically a ruin. It had fallen into disrepair. Imagine a house that big. And they've done it up. And Well, I think they're doing it up. But again, when I was talking to my daughter about this, we talked about how exciting it would be to play hide-and-seek there. But I was suggesting that you might play hide-and-seek there and never be found. Play hide-and-seek there aged 11 and walk out when you're 16 <laughs> going, for goodness sake, guys. We checked all the bedrooms. No, you didn't check all of them. 
All 365 of them. Now, now that's a posh house. It is. Five miles of corridors. Okay, now if I'm honest, Jam, yeah. I think I... The problem is, I think both our second facts were our strongest. Okay. I think my sea house and your massive house were oh. your strongest. Okay. So, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't know who has won. I don't. That's very difficult. I think facts are the winner. <laughs> We've all won. We've all won. And all, or all lost. Yes, yes, we have. Today we are travelling with Jesus for the third time, and we're travelling with Jesus to a big house. Mm. So we're going to look at the story, and this comes from Matthew chapter 9, the time when Jesus met Matthew, who was a very wealthy man. When Jesus was leaving, he saw a man named Matthew. Matthew was sitting in the tax office. Jesus said to him, Follow me. And Matthew stood up and followed Jesus. Jesus had dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his followers. The Pharisees saw this and asked Jesus' followers, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard the Pharisees ask this, so he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Only the sick need a doctor. Go and learn what this means. I want faithful love more than I want animal sacrifices. I did not come to invite good people. I came to invite sinners. I love playing cricket with my son. He's good. Uh, Thank you, Jam. It's true that my son and your daughter have a great time playing cricket and they both get a little competitive, but they're still friends. It's all good. Now, when my son plays cricket, actually less now, because I think he understands, but for a long time he would say to me, could I survive an over against Jimmy Anderson, who, in case you don't know, is the country's best bowler? And I'd say, no. No. And then he'd say, but what about one ball? And I'd say, firstly, when you say would I survive an over, I don't think you'd actually survive. I wouldn't let you stand in front of Jimmy Anderson bowling. Yeah. Because he bowls... At about 90 miles an hour. Yeah, about 80. He's a bit old now, but yeah. (laughs) Even so. And if he hit you anywhere, you wouldn't get up for a week. And that is exactly the issue. My son is quite good at cricket. Yeah. But when you compare him to someone who is the country's best, it's laughable. There's not even a comparison. Now, that is the story of today's story. Jesus met a bunch of religious leaders who believed they were quite good. They were quite good at being good. In fact, they were famous for being good. And then Jesus met Matthew, who would have been absolutely famous for being awful. By being a tax collector, Matthew would be hated in a way probably most of us struggle to imagine. You see, he had betrayed his own people. He was a traitor. You know, that's the stuff that people were killed for in the Middle Ages. He had turned his back on his own people and was working for the enemy, collecting money from his own people and giving it to the enemy. And worse, he could choose how much money he collected and keep the difference. He was getting rich from being a traitor and living next door to his own people. I, have you followed that? Hmm. It's hard to imagine, but actually he's, he's a nasty, nasty, nasty man, actually. You must think, how can he sleep at night? 
and today, yeah. I think probably most parents would cross the road with their children to avoid going near him. Yeah. In say, fact, they might even cross the road from their own children if they became tax collectors. Yeah. They I, would say, I don't actually... That's right. Yeah. You would be... Matthew and his friends would have been used to being whispered about, pointed at, yeah. and people avoided them. So we need to know that when Jesus heads to Matthew's house, and we're told here, his friends, and even this word sinner, meaning publicly known as being bad. I'm not sure we know many people who are known as being bad. Maybe there's a child in your class who's naughtier than the others. But the idea the whole town would know they are bad people. Now, so when Jesus went to their house, the Pharisees said, what is he doing? Why is he with them? Doesn't he know what they're like? No one should eat with them. In other words, be friends with them. Jesus says at the end, healthy people don't need a doctor, only the sick need a doctor. Now, it's tempting to think what that means is the healthy people are the religious leaders and the sick people are the tax collectors. And Jesus, therefore, came just for the sick people, the tax collectors. It's really easy to think that, isn't it? Because you just think that's the first thing he says. And you think, oh, OK, so they're the healthy people. And he's saying to justify himself to them, well, you must be healthy and these people are sick and I came to them. But we sort of know from other passages, Jesus can't really be saying that. He can't. And it's exactly like my son yeah. playing cricket. Yeah. The Pharisees were famous for being good. They tried to be good. And I want to say they were good. Yeah. They did a huge amount right and people respected them for it. But when they stood up against Jesus, the perfect doctor, he wanted them to understand, were they really that good? Were they really that healthy? They think they're good enough as it is. They think they don't need a doctor. They think they don't need Jesus. They think they don't need a saviour. But boy, did the sinners get it. Matthew knew he was hopelessly sick without Jesus healing him. He had, he had no goodness. He had nothing good. In fact, he spent his life at these parties full of bad people just because he didn't, wouldn't have had any other friends. And he, he would have felt so bad about himself all the time. You hang out with people who feel bad about themselves to be their mates. But Matthew and these others wanted to turn away from their old lives. They wanted to leave everything. Matthew did leave everything. We're told that. Matthew stood up. He left his job, his money, his table, his office, and he followed Jesus. They turned away from their old selves. And it's the same today. Jesus says to us, will we understand that we need him? It doesn't matter whether we think we're absolutely awful or whether we think we're really quite good. Stood next to Jesus, he is our doctor. He is your doctor. And to follow him, who doesn't want a doctor? Sadly, the religious leaders didn't see it. They didn't see it. That's the story, in fact, of the Gospels, isn't it? It was the religious leaders that in the end sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus did not come to invite good people, he said. He came to invite sinners. So if you're following Jesus, well done. You've worked it out. Or even better, Jesus has helped you understand. That's the story. By his spirit, he helped people like you and I to understand we need him. So just be careful if you find yourself thinking, stood next to someone else, I am so good. Stand next to Jesus, look at him and say, he is so good. I'm going to say a prayer. Dear Father, thank you that Jesus hung out with people who surprise us. Thank you, Father, he shows us 
that being a Christian is not just being apart from people and being good. Thank you. It is loving people where they are and is also understanding something about what we are like. I pray, Father, you'd help us to do both of those things. You'd help us to know what we're really like, that perhaps we need Jesus, we do need Jesus. And would we also, Father, show great love to those who we look down on? Would we love them, Father, and not look down on them? Thank you, Father, that Jesus shows us what real life is like and he tells us the truth. Amen. So we'll have a chance to think more about that when we hand it all over to you in the And Now You Talk section. But before we get to that, we're just going to think about this uh, story again from a slightly different angle where imagining if, you know, like those Come, come Dine With Me programmes where sort of everyone goes over to dinner of someone's house and they all give feedback and how it went and all that kind of stuff. So imagining what this story would look like in that kind of a context. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Dining Bible Styly. Let's start with this week's host, Matthew. So I'm sitting in my booth collecting taxes because, well, I'm a tax collector. And this guy comes up to me and I'm about to tax him, just making up the amount when... And normally people go, Hey, no, please don't tax me, I don't have any money, or something like that. But he just says, follow me. And there was just so much authority in his voice that I just got up and followed him. Next thing I know, we're all having dinner in me house. Sounds like quite the party. But what did the other diners think? Well, there was quite a lot of bread. Flatbreads mainly. Nice, but quite filling. Sorry, who are you? Oh, I'm one of Matthew's colleagues, another tax collector. We stick together because everyone hates us. Everyone's always like, oh, look at the tax collector. We hate tax collectors, traitors, scum, stuff like that. But they hate us, really. Maybe it's the massive taxes we make people pay and the fact that we work with the Romans and the fact that we're effectively stealing their money. And uh, Yeah, so- yeah, that, that might be it. Let's talk to some other diners. Dinner was delish in so much fun. Jesus was amazing. People like him don't hang out with people like us. I didn't think there was any hope for a sinner like me. Uh, lovely flatbreads and dips. I love a dip. But not everyone was impressed. We asked this Pharisee. It was a disgrace. Jesus is supposed to be a religious man and he was consorting with tax collectors, sinners, actual sinners, bad ones. So what about the food? The flatbreads looked okay, soft inside with a good crust, but apparently the dips were best avoided. Really? I heard they were excellent. Jesus talked about calling a doctor. Someone must have been sick, double dipping if you ask me. Hygiene's often an issue. I'm forever washing. Everything has to be clean, ritually clean. Spoken like a true Pharisee. But that's what God wants, cleanliness and sacrifices in the temple. Actually, Jesus quoted the scriptures, saying he wanted mercy, not sacrifice. I'd stopped listening by that point. I'd rather forget the whole evening, to be honest. Well, it looks like the evening was a raging success for sinners and tax collectors. Jesus eats with sinners and 10 out of 10 for the flatbreads. Matthew, you must be thrilled. Absolutely. In fact, meeting Jesus and following him, my life has been transformed. I'm thinking book deals, the gospel, according to Matt, the tax collector. 
I'm sure it'll be a bestseller. Join us next time when we talk to a boy whose packed lunch fed 5,000. OK, I was starving. The bread was amazing. The fish was just so delicate, but would it have killed anyone to hand out cutlery? Next time on Dining Bible Styling. OK, now we're just about done. So now you talk. Ed, what have you got for us to talk about? I've got three questions as I normally have. This is going to be the three questions I give you when we've said goodbye. I'd love you just to talk about these, wherever you are, whoever you're with. First question, this is maybe for the under sevens or just to get you going. Do you remember what shocked the religious leaders? In this story, what made the religious leaders go, what? Second question, maybe for the over eights to get you going. If Jesus walked up to you and said, hey, Ed, follow me and expected you to drop everything and follow him, what do you think you would think? What would you say or do next? Imagine you were Matthew sat there. Hey, Matthew, come follow me. What would you say or think or do next? And then lastly, a harder question. Maybe if you're a teenager or you've just got a big brain today. Sometimes we can think like one of the Pharisees when we look at other people. I'm so good, they're not. When we do that, what mistake are we making? When we do that, what mistake are we making? What might be a better thing to think? I'm going to run through those questions very quickly. First question was, what shocked the religious leaders? Second question was, if Jesus walked up to you and said, hey, follow me, what do you think you would think, say or do next? And if you say, I'd get up and go, check you would. Last question. Do you ever find yourself thinking, like the religious leaders, I'm pretty good and that person is not? What mistake are we making? What could we think instead? Thanks. Thanks very much for being with us this time and we'll speak to you next time. Until then, you can send us an email, podcast at faithinkids.org. There's more information about Faith in Kids on the show notes. So until then, have a great holiday. Happy holidays, team. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Talking and we just sort of nostril like this. We really, do, you know. and then we'll hit. We just start nostril. Yeah, no, 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 what was it?